Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Women Emerging podcast. I'm Julia Middleton, Director of Women Emerging. Every week I speak with women around the world of different ages and in different sectors about how they lead, because we need many more women leading in the world today. We explore how women lead differently and do it their way, which is authentic, fulfilling and highly effective. Enthusiasm is knowledge on fire. This is the second episode where I go and speak to my very, very, very first boss, Julia Cleverdon. <laughs> I was 23 when I met Julia Cleverdon and she taught me pretty well everything about the basics of leading. And over the years, everything she taught me has stood me well. This week, we're going to go a bit deeper into the details of task, team and individual, a concept, a trio that she introduced us to last week. So last week, we looked at task, team and individual and the ability to to combine those when you're leading. But one of the very clear messages from this is that leading is, of course, about who you are, but it's heavily about what you actually do. And I've been through the things I remember you saying that you have to do when you're a leader. And I would love to test some of their thinking on you. So so the first one was... We talked about it last week. You've got to set the task in the context of the purpose. But then you you said, firstly, you have to put it across with enthusiasm. I'm really interested in the word enthusiasm. And then you say you've got to remind people about it a lot and often. So just talk to me about enthusiasm and reminding. Well, I think enthusiasm, somebody once said, is knowledge on fire. So in terms of motivation, uh, anybody who starts a meeting which says, oh, my God, is it Monday again? I can't believe we've got to have this bloody meeting uh, again. Is there anything new to say? Ensures that the level of energy in the room is on the floor. So finding, and it's tough for leaders to do, but finding the reasons as to why one is so enthusiastic about the new direction or where we're going or what we're going to find out and reminding people as to how that will take us on the road to success or achievement or getting this contract or whatever it is. Teams at all levels need geeing up. Uh, in my experience, uh, particularly, you know, if they're a successful team who just won a match, they're punching the air and showing off to each other and absolutely fine. But if they're a team that are limping along, haven't had a haven't had a sale, are frightened about something happening or just finding the pressure of it all enormous, who else has the responsibility to get the team together to remind us about why this matters it may seem 
you know, at this moment, I quite agree. Everybody's had a hell of a time getting in. It's a, a snowstorm, blah, 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 blah. And we've got two, now even worse, got three people on hybrid whose internet keeps going off and their toddlers are sitting on them. That's quite difficult to get everybody to feel a team when they're not physically in the same room, which is why I do think that there do need to be times in which you pull teams together. But the enthusiasm with which a leader approaches anything, this is a meeting, oh my goodness, how exciting. Now, let's see the figures for last month. Uh, let's look at the top five customer complaints. Have we managed to do anything to move this? You know, that's the basics of everything is have we won? Are we winning? Are we on our way? So you have to be enthusiastic even when you're not. Even in a world that now is bangs on about authenticity, sometimes you have to be inauthentically enthusiastic. I'm, I never stop being told by my daughters about the importance of authenticity. And I say, well, and many complaints about me as a leader. I don't think people have said I'm not authentic. Because by and large, I do say exactly what I think, probably rather too fast. But you've got to find enough authentic energy, which says, come on, this is our chance. So that's enthusiastic about the task. And then the other word you use is reminding. So basically, as a leader, you have to bore yourself to tears, repeating the same messages. Yeah, because... If you don't bore yourself to tears, you are not doing enough to remind very busy people with many other things in their lives. You know, everybody has got so much stuff raining in upon them that if you don't find the moment to say, right, absolutely understand all of that, enormously sympathetic, but actually what we're here to do now, this week we've got four days before this has got to happen. Getting to the nub of what it is that we are trying to achieve together needs constant reminding. Let's just go back again. A month ago, last time we had a team meeting or whatever it was, we thought that we were really going to have challenges on X, Y, and Z. What is so marvellous is that as a result of the hard work of A and B, actually, it looks as if that problem's gone away. So what's the new problem? What's the new thing? What are we going to really drive on today? But if the leader isn't enthusiastic about it, <laughs> there's nobody else. You deeply believe that leaders must walk the job. Yeah. What does walk the job mean? It means being with people when they are doing the job that you have asked them to do, recruited them to do, persuaded them in. You've got to be with them enough to understand what some of the frustrations and challenges are, but also to be clear that you mind. One of the words that's, that's very high on your list, I remember, is the word accountability and that you have to make leaders accountable and accountable also for small enough teams so that they can actually be accountable. But why is the word accountability so important in your lexicon? Well, I suppose because you only have to say to me, you're accountable for this, and that's the thing I mind about. So I think in a, in a world of, as I, 
I think, said last week, <laughs> in a world in which I think it's becoming less and less clear about what leaders are responsible for, or is it this team's responsibility or that team's responsibility? In my book, people rise to the levels of your belief in them. And the more you can give clarity of accountability, you are entirely responsible for all the customers starting with A who live in N1. Right. I will absolutely get going on those customers. Or you are accountable for these four companies. They are your account management operation. I want you to read the FT every morning and understand whether they're going up or going down. Or you are entirely responsible for the extracurriculum activity of this school. So everything we do, which isn't part of what we do in school, in classrooms, that then gives you a clarity about on what playing field you're playing. If you say, oh, well, do pick up this little bit. And you know, I, have that. I don't think people are motivated by having little, you know, little bits of crumbs that have fallen from other people's tables. They're motivated by, right, this is mine, and I can now make the difference on it. I may or may not have got a team to work on it, but accountability is all. And then you check the progress. Yeah. The measures are always a point of argument, <laughs> and sometimes they're blunt instruments, but they're indicators, and therefore you've got to You've got to work hard to find the indicators which are both felt fair and flag up early enough what's going on. Uh, but you've got to have measures. So so you then talk a lot about targets. And um, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you use the word you have to set targets. You don't say we have to agree targets. You say we have to set targets. Tell me the difference. Why set? Well, because leadership is not a consensus activity in my in my book. You do everything you can, of course, to get people to say, yeah, I think I could go for that. But some people will play the game and will set the lowest possible thing they think they can get away with. And other people will fly much too high. They always believe that it's going to come in tomorrow. I've managed great entrepreneurs like you have who will assure you that in some miraculous way, a quarter of a million pound deficit in the Northwest region will have improved by next Tuesday. You say, darling, there's absolutely no way. Even if three of your pipeline hits all came in on Monday, you'd still be 200,000 short. So let me now be realistic about what you can achieve. I'd rather know that we were going to get it. So I'm pulling down what you're saying. And you will always try to get people in my book to, to believe that they can, they've got a good chance of getting where you want them to get to. And sometimes you're saying, right, they're very, you know, I do realize you really need more help on this. And let me come in if it would be helpful. Tell me not if not, and I'll do two of those visits with you to see if we can together knock this lot that have been wasting our time for months on end into the box. So I commit to do that. And on that basis, shall we put the figure at this? And if they say, no, I'm absolutely not prepared to be hung on that, you say, okay, 
I recognise that you think this is going to be very difficult, but I'm going to write it down because I think actually we've really now got to crack why we keep not getting there. And then they may say, absolutely disgraceful, you know, you've never liked me. Uh, I'm off to whoever to make a complaint. And you say, lovely, that would be really sad because I think actually we're beginning to work together really well. And I recognise your strengths. I see entirely why you find this so difficult. But I think you talked to me last year about how you wanted to go on and be a great entrepreneur yourself. And one of the things one's got to learn is that sometimes you do put down stuff which looks impossible, but actually, my God, if you go for it, it's extraordinary what you can achieve. So it is about the individual circle of believing in people not recklessly, but understanding what the what the motivations are. And sometimes you just know that if you push this too hard, you'll break them. And that's not what you're trying to do. I remember, Julia, you asking me what the target should be. And I said, can't remember what. And you said, that's maybe a big enough target for what you think you're capable of doing. But I think you can achieve so much more. And of course, I then went away and smashed your target as well as mine. Because a lot of it's about whether your leader believes in you. Totally. So I knew that you were a very, very, very high potential racehorse who would run incredible bursts of speed. You'd need a certain amount of oats and warm blankets and notice and love and care but actually you were a racehorse not a cart horse and I mean although somebody will now say I'm being unfair to horses uh the people who are your absolute racehorse brain power you need to give them as much harness as you possibly can for them to go as fast and as far and get everybody else out of their way. And of course, that does then at times mean that you appear to be favouring and giving more latitude to the individual who will in fact be not only your greatest successor, but your highest achiever. They will take you to places that nobody else could do. Cart horses, very important, clop you consistently, always turn up, be very helpful, kick the ball in the right direction. But the real objective in life, in my experience, <laughs> is actually how do you unleash the talent of something that has such talent? And there you may well be saying, oh, I do believe in you, Julia. You could do absolutely anything, absolutely anything. What do you want to do? And I'll back you all the way. And then occasionally you'll go and have a row with somebody or it will all fall over or the money doesn't come in or whatever. And then the rest of the world says, there you are, you see, you've been favouritising that individual prima donna. And then you have to decide as a leader when you say, don't use language like that. Uh, all of us get it wrong at times. Do targets need numbers by them? <laughs> well, it's a perpetual conversation. I learned an enormous amount very early on in my leadership life by absolutely being clear that 
I would never set a goal or a target to somebody where I didn't understand the detail about what it was you'd actually got to do to get to that. Now, some things are magic. Suddenly, in comes an enormous contract and we're away. But some of it is actually about doing the regular things simply and well. The leader's got to understand the implications of the target or the measure that they are setting. And then they have to discuss progress against those targets on a monthly basis with each individual face-to-face, totally concentrating each individual. And I remember you used to give me an hour a month, totally concentrated. And I remember arriving for those months, those hours, spending 20 minutes waiting for you, then having 20 minutes of the most inspiring time, and then 20 minutes driving you to your next appointment. So so I'm not going to ask you too much about you've got to have regular meetings with your everybody who works for you individually, because that is absolutely right. And when you're an exceptional leader like you, Julia, you can do those meetings in the 20 minutes allocated. But most of us who are normal human beings need to spend a good hour with each person who reports to us and take the time to do that. So I think I'm going to jump over that one. The next one I really want to stop on is, because this has absolutely formed a lot of everything I've ever done in leading, is that you delegate decisions to individuals. And if you can't, then you have to make the decision, but make sure that you consult before you do. But the most important thing is that you you your first instinct is to delegate. Go back to last week when we were talking about those packs of cards. It's not up to the leader to jump in. It's up to the leader to delegate the different tasks to member of their teams and to stand aside. So delegate, delegate, delegate. You, have you ever over-delegated? I have. My God, I have. I believed in people who I was wrong to believe in because my belief in them made them think and me think that they could take on more than they could. And I think, I mean, I absolutely agree. You and I were very young leaders when we first knew each other. I think I am better at some of this. Not, I'm not much better at timekeeping, but I am slightly better now at delegating I always believe in delegating. Why would I be taking the decision? You've got 15 people in this operation. You can begin to see, once you've started to manage the team for a bit, where the strengths are. The more you can give people whole jobs and whole tasks and a clarity of responsibility, the more they will rise. But it does mean you've got to find staging posts for delegation, which is why Testing people out on small decisions, giving them small things to run, even if it's, oh, lovey, will you take charge of the Christmas pantomime? Uh, It's always such a good idea if somebody new in the team takes charge of the Christmas pantomime. Julia, that's why you gave me the Christmas pantomime, was it? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) But you've got to find small things that people will do because you note by what they do on those things as to whether they will pick up bigger stuff for you. And, of course, the other great thing, which goes down fantastically badly in some organisations, but I've always pushed it, 
is that we'll have people acting in the absence. If I'm away for a month, which I've never worked August in my life and I never will work August in my life, but other people love working August, you appoint somebody to be the acting lead for that time. And that tells you quite a lot, because if we (laughs) come back from holiday and everybody is absolutely at each other's throats, and you track it back to three rather ridiculous meetings and a conversation which went very wrong, you think, yeah, they need a bit more help. But you've got to find the leadership opportunities to develop people. But delegate, delegate, delegate. And sometimes you'll be sorely um, (laughs) disappointed. But the vast majority of times, people will learn things. And once they've had that delegation, it's unlikely that you will take it back. So you... You continually build yourself the opportunity either to go onwards and upwards or to get out because you're building the skills and the strength around you. And then they can't quite remember where the hell they've got you as a leader. And then you can promote one of them, leave, do something different. Your responsibility as a leader is to grow leadership. You taught, I remember, a lot about setting examples. Yeah, and they're being very late. Well, as I know, as we both know, it didn't matter because your 20 minutes were very inspiring. But you also, I I remember you used to talk a lot about the rules and the procedures, and you used to take a lot of time to explain the logic behind things, not just brief people that this is going to happen, or this is the new policy, or this is what we're going to do next. You always took the time to write those two or three extra sentences that said why. And the why the why is important, isn't it? I, I remember you saying it doesn't matter if people agree with you or not on the why. They just sometimes need to know that you're going to take the time to tell them the why. They don't have to agree. They just note. Yeah. <laughs> and that was actually, wasn't it? I agree. Thank God for that. I disagree. Well, I know at least where you're coming from. And I note. I don't know enough to know whether what you're saying or what you're about to do is right or wrong. I'm grateful that you bothered to talk to me about it because oddly enough, I'm a thinking, sentient human being. So you do people the honour, the the understanding that everybody at times pretend they couldn't give a damn. All management are absolute nutters. God knows how we on earth we managed to stumble along in this organisation as we have. But if you don't explain to people the reason why we're trying to do something, I don't think you give them the, the ownership of the problem and the understanding. Of course, you've got to communicate how we're doing, but you've also got to, if you possibly can, consult on what do you think we can do better. And then when you've taken a decision, what were those five C's? Consider what is the decision? Who the hell is going to take the decision? Consult before the bloody decision. Uh, Everybody, from the whole of my life, any decision that I've ever bothered to sit down and consult teams about is always a better decision. It doesn't mean that I necessarily will decide in the way in which some of them would like me to decide, but at least having consulted, I will then communicate 
the reason why I took that decision in that way. I will then announce that that is the decision, crunch, crunch the decision, take it. Having crunched it, you then check whether anybody has done anything at all about the decision. And then if you're sensible in six months' time, you say, was that right? What has now happened, which I didn't know? You never have enough information. But has that been the right decision? And if it wasn't, you have to have the humility as a leader to go back and say, I'm really sorry. I took this decision. You warned me about it. You said that that's what would happen. And you're right. We've lost three of our best salespeople as a result. And I'm really, really sorry. I should have balanced that. So leaders apologizing. <laughs> Either because, you know, you took the decision too fast. You were arrogant. You didn't think enough. You didn't consult widely enough. And when you get it wrong, you've got to say, I'm so sorry, and reverse the bloody decision and put it back to where it was. You're not God yet. And this is because the job of the leader in your book is to serve people. Yeah, it's, it's to serve the purpose. And the purpose is too big for one person. All that you have in my book is is an ability or, or a need to engage free people in putting their time and their energy and their motivation and their life's work, which is going to be devoted to work, and quite a lot of time is devoted to work, into a purpose which is worthy of their talents. Going to always be marvellously fun, exciting, you know, I mean, some people have lives like that, but for lots of people, it's, you know, there's always a lot of washing up. Uh, but you are moving things in your little bit of the world or your little community or your little area. You are winning, winning for a bigger purpose. So can leading be made simpler? It is a complicated thing to do. And you're, you're a Rubik cube. And you're learning all the time. You know, I know so much more at 73 than I did when you and I probably first met each other at 22. And the world's changed very fast. But the basics haven't changed in my experience. It is actually quite a simple task. What is it we're trying to achieve? How can I build this team to get it to be strong and work together and be fond of each other and laugh and Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And how do you develop the individuals in that team as individuals, as well as contributors to the team and therefore to the task? Talking to Julia, I ask myself whether sometimes we make leading far too complex, is it much, much simpler than we think? And it has to be said, listening to Julia, I, <laughs> I ask myself that question quite a lot. Uh, I think it is probably an immensely complex thing to get right, but the basics of it, I think, probably are really quite simple. And without the basics, you can't really deal with the complex next stage. Anyhow, thank you very, very much, Julia. 
that was a joy to listen to, however many times over the years I have listened it to it. Next week, we're going to pick up this theme about the basics of leading and continue this series in the in the podcast about simple how-tos in, in leading. How do you? How do you? How do you? All those questions of how do you that you've been asking me and sending me over the months. And next week, we're going to start with <laughs> how do you reverse a decision? You can't get much more basic than that. How do you reverse a decision when you're leading? So next week, in the meantime, lots of love, Julia. There's also loads more you can learn from other women if you go to our website, womenemerging.org. That's womenemerging.org. Over time, we are determined to redefine leading so that more of us can say, if that's leading, I'm in 